Welcome back to another episode of 43% and Rising, the podcast about women in marketing. I'm your host, Beatrice Alabaster, and I'm sitting in a building site. I do apologise if you hear any thwacking in the background. Over the last few months, I've been getting together with some game-changing women in the industry to hear all about their experiences of what it takes to rise to the top. 43% and Rising is brought to you by Ernest, the award-winning agency chasing the humdrum out of B2B marketing. Today I'm talking to Georgina Gilmore, global tech and telecoms marketer and founder of the B2B Marketing Expert. You're going to hear how Georgina built her global marketing career, including the power of sticking things out and of trusting your gut. Georgina isn't just a well-respected leader, but a genuinely popular one, and that comes through in everything she does. We talk about how she successfully avoided office politics, treating people kindly to get much better results. Hi Georgina, how are you? I'm good B, how are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. It's nice to be here doing an actual in-person podcast recording for a change. I know, my God. Very <laughs> oh, different. It's nice to have proper, proper human conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so just to get things started, I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do. Mm-hmm. So I am um, a B2B marketing specialist, for want of a better word, so over um, 30 years experience in pretty complex technology organizations, um, uh, building up B2B marketing. Um, And actually recently, a few months ago, I've set up on my own. Um, So I run now run my own consultancy, the B2B marketing expert. Um, again, you know, working, focusing on technology organisations as, as clients and um, helping them with their strategy and their marketing plans and um, really making sure that they are thinking about how marketing should be. Fantastic. I can't wait to talk to you a little bit more about your business and really kind of get into the nitty gritty of that. But just to kind of, I guess, start from the start, uh, how did you get into B2B in the first place? So it wasn't really sort of into B2B, mm-hmm. it was into, you know, my first grown-up job, mm-hmm. if you like. Um, and actually, it wasn't my first grown-up job. Um, it was one of those pure fluke stories uh, where I had um, decided that I didn't like the university degree that I was doing. Um, my parents said, okay, fine, come home. Uh, but you got to get a job. So um, my dad made me sign on a local temp agency. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I had previously, in I think the previous summer, worked in and around London um, doing sort of temping, secretarial mm. type stuff to earn money. And um, I'd actually used this thing called a Macintosh. So when I went into the temp agency, I was very proud of the fact that, you know, there was this thing called Apple Macintosh and um, uh, proceeded to tell them about how how I knew every package there was on it, which I didn't. The designers <laughs> did at the agency that I worked at. And um, and then basically later on that day, call at home, landline call at home, um, went spoke, and they had a three-day booking for me. Fantastic. Where was it? Apple Computer. And at that wow. point, I nearly died. <laughs> And uh, kind of thought, God, that will teach you to embellish. (laughs) 
The truth. Walk into Apple. I'm the expert. <laughs> oh my god. Three day booking, doing some admin, um, actually in their PR department, in house PR department. I didn't even know what public relations was. Nice. <laughs> at all. Um, and so I walked into the. Um, Apple UK offices, which were then um, on Stockley Park near Heathrow. And uh, my boss, um, um, well, the, the, the person that who, who needed me there, um, kind of told me what needed to be done. Went in on the Wednesday and on, on the Friday afternoon, um, he said to me, everyone really likes you. You're a really good fit. You're what we call an Apple person. Would you like to work here? No wow. interview, no nothing. And um, sort of almost five years later, left there as a as a you know fully fledged sort of marketing manager. Yeah, so but your dad was relieved. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> you Absolutely. So it sounds like you kind of managed to really successfully build up a lot of momentum in those kind of early years of your career. How do you think you kind of managed to do that? What were the key ingredients to kind of find that early success? And within, you know, three days, Mm. (laughs) I've got your Mm. foot in the door. Mm. I I think it's about being inquisitive Mm. uh, to the point of maybe being a bit nosy (laughs) and wanting to know how everything worked and what everyone did, etc. And... um, and to the point where you're you're quite excited. So in, in in Apple, I think it was almost the perfect first job. Um in that I was working with amazing, amazing people, many of which are still good friends of mine today, which I think is says a lot. We were um you know, I know Apple innovative, etc. It is the most creative, and it certainly was even then in the early 90s, innovative, creative organisation. And you were you were encouraged to think different. Mm. And and if I think back to when that first boss said to me, um, you know, you're, you're an Apple person, I understand, you know, you, you you understand the sort of the attributes of the people. And I... I think it was a personality fit, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, and being given the opportunity to learn and work with people that I just wouldn't have had anywhere else. So mm. I am so grateful for the opportunities I was given there. Yeah. Oh, it's, it, as you say, it's so important to kind of find that chemistry because that does dictate, you know, how comfortable you feel, how much, mm. you know, you feel like you can ask questions and take, you know, take leadership and that kind of thing. Since then, you kind of you've done a lot of very senior roles, particularly in tech and telecoms. I mean, you know, got a lot, done a big stalk of your LinkedIn profile. I've got a little list, you know, from Apple, Vodafone, Kaspersky, everything like that. Mm. What do you think draws you to that kind of sector? I once said to a friend of mine, um, I could never, sorry, do B two C FMCG <laughs> type, you know, toothpaste marketing. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I need to, because I'm inquisitive slash nosy, I want to understand how does that work? And I, I want to understand how something works because I want to imagine what that might feel like mm. for an end user customer. Um, and I always think that at the heart of the role that you're doing within B2B marketing, it's turning something that's possibly quite dull or boring or technical or whatever 
and and the value what is the value of it and why why does somebody want it and love it and how and i i think that that's something that's always appealed to me mm. and i've been pretty you know good at taking what might be quite a you know necessary product and translating it into something different yeah no it's 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 such a challenge isn't it i mean as a fellow b2b mm. <laughs> it's um it's definitely interesting to take something which as you say is so kind of functional and sometimes very detailed mm. and there's a lot around it and kind of translate that into something that feels a bit more human emotive mm. or just quite frankly interesting mm. and kind of simple to mm. understand um, I'm kind of interested, tech as an industry does have a bit of a reputation for being, you know, obviously very technical, a little bit dense, harder to access, but also a little bit male dominated. I mean, has that been your experience? Um, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I left Apple and I made what I thought at the time um, was a great job opportunity at a PC company. And remember, this is mid-90s, so PCs are just, you know, compact, Packard Bell, all of these folks are suddenly, they're, they're being used in the home, etc. cetera. Um, I realized day one of this company that I went to join, I really wished I hadn't joined. Oh, I hated no. it. And I hated it because I had gone from such a great creative nurturing supportive culture and environment into a brutal um environment where people you know the sales director would would scream at people and swear at them across the sales floor and it was horrible really horrible however my uh, two people who've kind of mentored me throughout my career one in particular um said to me stick it out because this is going to be really good for you. Yes, it's awful, but you're going to learn so much. And I did stick it out for two years, and I think I hated <laughs> going in there. Um, but actually, I I did a great job. I learned loads, and in many ways, it made me more resilient. Mm. Um, and I never... Um, even though it was a nasty um, uh, environment and very shouty and threatening, um, I never let it affect me. And and f- interestingly, a couple of the individuals there who were real bullies, mm. um, they tried. <laughs> it just didn't work. And the reason it didn't work was they needed me there. They had mm. they had brought me on for a specific reason. And so I knew my value and my worth. And so, you know, after a while, they didn't try and boss me around and, you know, yeah, put me down or as they were doing, not just with other women, but other men as well. Mm. Absolutely. And, you know, moving from that toxic kind of culture, how do you think that? I mean, it sounds like, as you say, you've learned so much, you mm. know, gave you so much resilience. Do you think it shaped how you kind of looked at other roles moving forwards i i knew that if i could have survived there i could survive anywhere right and and i think in many ways if i hadn't have gone there 
so my mentor was correct, I would have thought every company was going to be like Apple. Yeah. And not every company was ever going to be like Apple. Um, so when we talk about these tech companies that you've worked for, you know, a lot of these companies are quite new, quite innovative. You have had a couple of experiences, though, um, of working for slightly older companies. I mean, how, <laughs> yeah. how, how has that been different? Uh, old, yeah. Um, yeah, so Kodak or Eastman Kodak, as they were. <laughs> um, I think when I worked for them, were like nearly 120 years old. Wow. And um, people thought that I was going to go and market little yellow boxes of film. I wasn't. I was going to help launch their digital cameras and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was, um, yeah, very old. And if I was to tell you that they still had typing pools. Oh, wow. They still had. <laughs> so this was uh, mid to late 90s. They still had a tea lady trolley coming around every floor with her urn and her chocolate bars, which was yummy, but, you know, <laughs> vending machines took over. Um, and an executive floor at the top, okay. you know, with thicker carpets. And, um, yeah, funnily enough, I, um, I, I, <laughs> my very first day at Kodak, um, I was told that I had to go into this uh, meeting I didn't really know what it was about. I was just told where to go. And, you know, bearing in mind I was, you know, a woman in her mid-twenties. And uh, actually it was on the 16th floor. So it mm. was at the top of the building. And you knew it because, you know, when you got out, the carpet felt thicker. <laughs> you know. It's getting serious yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was in the days, I think, maybe the, were they still smoking in offices? I don't know. But it just felt very like Grace mm. Brothers, you know, sort of. Uh, <laughs> and um, I walked, I, I eventually found this boardroom and walked in there and saw all of these older men sitting in their suits around this board table. And I started to walk through and then this man stood up and came over to me and I thought, oh, that's really sweet. He's going to come and ask, oh, you know, hello, hi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, first day newbie. And um, and he, he said to me, oh, he said, uh, have you, are you organising the teas and coffees? <sighs> yeah, honestly, you, you could not make it up. And... <laughs> And I said, nope, <laughs> um, and uh, proceeded to go and get myself a chair and pull it up to the table. And um, I mean, honestly, I uh, work for Kodak. I wish I'd taken a Kodak color moment then because every mouth was like open. <laughs> and um, and I um, we went round the table and um, everyone was having to do the intros. And I said, hi, I'm you know, Georgina Gilmore. It's my first day at Kodak, and my role is um, to head up marketing for digital, what was digital and applied imaging. And the the massive irony was, it was a meeting about, I can't remember what we called it in those days, about diversity. It was, <laughs> honestly, oh, it, it, was, it was a meeting about diversity oh with all men, with me, so obviously somebody thought it would be a good idea, and then they thought I was the lady with the urn. I must have like Mrs. Overall or something. And um, I, um, yeah, it was really, really incredible. And that 
again, I think I wasn't phased. Mm. I was there to do a job. I was there to do a job, not to impress anyone, but there to do... And the reason... They had hired me for a reason. Yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah... So um, that that was yeah. that was hysterical. Dear God, I mean, talk about choosing your time. <laughs> you I mean, did they did they seem embarrassed? No, I think they I think they were just so shocked, so shocked. There was no embarrassment. It was just complete shock. Oh. And then, of course, in the meeting, you know, I um, you know, sp- said my piece and spoke up, oh. etc. And um, you know, who knows? I really, I, I, I actually didn't care what they mm. thought about me. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was there to do a job. I was polite. I was friendly. But I wasn't there. Um, it was somebody else's job. Yeah. To to bring in the tea and coffee, and that's fine. And their their job was to do that. But again, you know, this whole thing about uh, what's it, you know, um, having a. A, a view that that's what somebody's job is yeah when they walk in a room my god yeah you know i got that in shovels on the first day so god. yeah um but what it did what it did sort of teach me is what are the kind of cultural things mm. that i do look for in a in a in a role and um, in particular from a boss mm so who I'm going to work for, I really need to get on well with. Yeah. So key. That's so interesting. What do you think are the kind of qualities that make a good boss or a leader? Because it is, it can be, it can be difficult to strike mm. that balance right between mm. being nice to work with, but also a strong leader. Yeah. Um, trust. Honestly, trust. Yeah. And and honesty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and actually, again, my um, my my mentor. So I, I'm, I'm going to plug his name. He's, he's fantastic. <laughs> um, a, a man called Paul Donovan, who mm. um, you know came from Coca-Cola into Apple, went on to like be number two in Vodafone globally, massive jobs, mm. but incredibly um, supportive, great. Um, uh, knowledge and everything he gave me he um he i think made me realize he said to me once what do you do if you've made a mistake and you know at the age of 20 21 i said back to him well I'll come and tell you and he said absolutely never hide stuff from me and he said because it will be, f- you do that and it's so, so much worse. So come clean. And he said, and by the way, it's the only way any of us ever learn. And that really, really <laughs> stuck with me. So it's okay to make mistakes because we're all human. And that is the way we learn as long as we look back and say, what would I do differently? Or, you know, what has that taught me? Um, but not to be fearful of somebody where uh, you feel that everything has to be perfect all the time. Mm. And that's so difficult, isn't it, when you're just starting out and you feel super almost vulnerable and you're kind of aware of everything that you don't know and you don't want anyone to think you're mm. stupid. You're, you're kind of desperate to prove yourself, really. So finding those conditions where you can actually uh, fess up and have those conversations. Is... Yeah, I mean, I, I think actually I probably wasn't desperate to prove myself. I, I was more desperate 
to learn, you know, yeah. i.e. inquisitive nosy, right? <laughs> so um, I I loved, I was like a sponge and I, I still am. I still mm. get excited, you know, working with clients and understanding their industry and thinking about it and thinking differently about it. So that still excites me. Of course, I then want to turn that into, you know, great campaigns and great marketing, etc. Um, but um, I don't think I've ever felt kind of scared or vulnerable, mm. which is quite strange. <laughs> God knows why. Well, that's interesting. I mean, it's, you know, it shows great strength of character, but also hopefully that you did have, as you said, you know, great mentors, people mm. who you could trust. And with that kind of mentorship theme, it sounds like it's played a really important part in your own career. How have you kind of translated that into mentoring others maybe? Has that been a big thing mm. for you? Yeah, it really has. And um, I, one of the things I, I do really sort of pride myself on is, um, is building great teams. Mm. And I have had some phenomenal many phenomenal people and I I look around now and I see on LinkedIn and you know some of them are running their own agencies um some you know some are like CMOs a company and I'm I'm like a mother hen I'm so (laughs) proud so so proud of all of them um and you know it's for me I I always found it quite easy to spot talent Mm. Um, because talent for me is not about necessarily the academic side of things and I think in marketing it's about attitude as well and and being able to get on with people and um, you know to realize that there's the rubbish stuff that you have to do but it has to be done roll your sleeves up and get on with it and don't moan about it and crack on and so I I've generally hired on kind of attitude and gratefully a few times in my life, probably two or three times, I've made bad hires and I haven't listened to my gut. Mm. And um, so I think it's very important to make sure that you're listening to your gut. And so what that means is, yeah, I've, I've been so, you know, happy working and, and working with people and teams. Um, and, and then there might be somebody from outside my team that, that approaches me and mm. says, I've, they've suggested that, you know, you could be a, a good mentor for me, happy to do that, both within organisations um, and elsewhere. Um, and I actually get as much from it as they do. Yeah. Um, because it's so good to be able to talk to people if they're, you know, about what they're doing and their industry and their challenges and kind of suggest ways of, thinking about things differently and, um, you know. Yeah. And that, you know, I think when people are told, look, you're not alone, and actually, yeah, of course it's difficult doing this, and a bit of empathy and suggestions along the way, you know, it's really satisfying. You do get something yeah. out of it yourself. Absolutely. You know? Especially, um, you know, these big you know, big jobs that you've done, big CMO jobs, you're expected to be a real all-rounder, right? You've got mm-hmm. to kind of have that real marketing specialism and know what you're talking about the product you've got to be strategic you've got to be creative but the whole people management side is Mm. this whole other skill set that Mm. it's really important 
to get right I mean mm. you know did you kind of have to make time for that or did it come it naturally? just and again maybe it's just because I really like people yeah it came it came naturally <laughs> um probably at the detriment to my sort of budget reporting which put, <laughs> might have been put to the side um yeah it just came naturally because I, I want to see people happy mm. and and I truly believe that the I mean I um at, when I um worked for a cybersecurity company um you know my team won team of the year award and um outside of the the, the country this um company was from that had never happened and we we're, we're a team of women primarily. Yeah. I think there was maybe one or two guys, occasionally in and out of the team. Um, but to be acknowledged by your you know colleagues and peers of they really loved working with my team as well as the output of what we did was so it was it was better than any bonus honestly for me. Yeah. Um and um and and, and they felt great. I yeah. was going to ask you about that cuz you know it's clear again from the really detailed LinkedIn stalking that I've <laughs> been doing so sorry about that getting a lot of hits <laughs> on your profile. You know the way that people talk about you and their recommendations, you know it's clear that you're a really well respected marketer but also importantly you're a really well liked marketer. <laughs> um you know, in these big roles, sometimes like you are juggling a lot of plates, you have to make difficult decisions, it can be really, really stressful. And so balancing that kind of being strong, but also with likability can sometimes be challenging, right? Mm. I mean, what do you think? How did you kind of approach that? Um, I, I have worked for some amazing people. I've also worked for two or three horrific people in my time and and I the you know honestly it comes down to insecurity mm. when people are like that um I'm not going to let them off the hook for you know some of the behaviors and you know I would call people out and say you know you're not this isn't going to happen um but I, I know because I've seen great leaders myself and I've worked for them I've you know picked up some of the the kind of the, the ways that they do stuff I had to at, at Vodafone I remember we were get about to make massive redundancies and um, I think I was having to make redundant like 20 or 30 people over oh. the course of the next two days and it was going to be horrific in and out you know with HR sitting there in a room and and I was really terrified yeah. and I felt sick um however my boss at the time a guy called Mark Bond who I'll give credit to for this <laughs> um said to me the night before how are you feeling and I said I just feel sick I can't believe you know and he said right he said this isn't you doing it and he said two things one you have spent the last few weeks or months doing everything right from a right process perspective so that it's none of this is um, on the basis of you know your face doesn't fit and um, to the way that that we do this as a, as, a, as a process and the support that we give people and the support that I know that you'll give people you will be able to look those people in the eye in 10 years time and they'll smile at you and they'll talk to you right 
And at the time I thought, no, they'll probably walk across the street or spit at me. <laughs> but oh. but he's right. If you yeah. d- if you 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 have to make hard decisions, um, but it's the way you go about things. Mm. And um and and the way that you treat people. I mean, yeah, it's corny, but but do it how you would like to be treated yourself. There is absolutely no need to be frosty and cold and bullying, etc. Which you know there are people like that. There's no need to be like that. And um, you get better results from yeah. from people if you if you're kind to them. And now more than ever, of, of course. Yeah, it's interesting too. I mean, it must you know these companies that you've worked for are such kind of massive global businesses. I mean, there must be quite a lot of internal politics I'd imagine to navigate as well Mm, mm. I'm not very good at the politics actually (laughs) um I I'm not interested in it yeah um I try as best I can to keep out of it I'm there to do a job Mm. right I'm not there to trample all over other people and harm them etc I'm there to do a job and um and we're you know ultimately everyone is in the same team yeah. That's that's my view. You know, it's almost like it shouldn't be department names. You work for a company. Um, and I, yeah, I'm not interested in, in, in any of that stuff at all. Mm. Um, I didn't play the politics. It was a lot of that stuff was going on. I probably stuck out, stuck out like a sore thumb because <laughs> of it. Um, in, in fact, I was um, told by a boss somewhere I won't say the company's name uh we had to do like people scores as part of your annual review so your you know your teams would score you and then the next level down well yeah but it's what's important is it's not just what you do for your Mm. job but it's how you do it yeah that's actually more important yeah so you could be the most brilliant salesperson in the world but if you piss off everyone (laughs) um achieving those targets that's actually not good for a company yeah and um, so the kind of the weighting of, of those scores was really mm. important. Now, i I proud to say that every year I got like the highest scores of a people manager within this pretty significant organisation. Wow. Um, and my line manager um, actually somehow twisted it and turned it so that it, it was... Um, you're too liked by your team. I mean, have you ever heard such nonsense? <laughs> is that, is that yeah, a thing? <laughs> yeah. And 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 actually, and, and I sat there with a bit of a wry smile, thinking the reason you're saying this is because people don't like you. That's yeah. the problem, right? So you're insecure, and you're so. You know, I just sat there and nodded mm. because at the end of the day, the results of the happy team was brilliant output and delivery so that was just her one sorry (laughs) have to be a woman yes oh no it's always the way isn't it but there's that kind of you don't want to say anything bad about a woman but at the end of the day we're all doing oh my god yeah honestly i mean i think that's a thing not perfect you know bullying is not just about men and and actually i think bullying by a woman feels Mm. even worse yeah it's horrific um and and i almost um i kind of feel old enough and secure enough now in my job to go all right i i will call people out yeah 
if I see it happening. And I'm not afraid to do that. Yeah. It's not acceptable anywhere in life. Yeah. At home, in relationships or at work. Just not acceptable. Yeah. And it is it is difficult if you're, you know, if you're in, say, a male-dominated industry or something mm. like that. You do... I mean, maybe it's a cliche, but you do kind of want to look at the women around you and think of them as being kind of allies, right? Mm-hmm. So it is difficult if it becomes, I mean, you know, they say women are trained to view each other as competitors. Yeah. Which is but that's insecu- But that's insecurity yeah. again, you see. And and I think that, you know, if you think about diversity and mm. um, and the fact that actually, you know, some of the world's most successful companies have got a really good level of... Um, you know, female board members. That's another company I worked at uh, was big into Myers Briggs, oh, yeah. um, and and they wore the badge of honour of if you're an ENTJ for oh, any yeah. people, then that was great because you were blah blah blah. We then went on to do kind of more Myers Briggs, and they brought psychologists in and all sorts. And I was uh, an ENFP. Okay. In 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 this particular yeah. leadership team the only one all of the others were ENTJ a mixture of men and women and and it was almost like there were it's a bit of giggling going on <laughs> you know like, <laughs> poor her um and I will never forget this um this person expert that they brought in said you guys should be count yourself lucky you've got this woman working with you Um, Because if you were all ENTJs, it would be a disaster. But because she will add something that none of you have, and actually what what your team, what the leadership team needs more of, is more like her and more eyes, etc. And that diversity and that mix. So, yeah, I felt, um, I said, I'll pay you later. I mean, that's just insane. I mean, sure, it's, surely it's basic logic, right? We want people who think and interact differently to you. Yeah, I think um, in 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 some organisations that are quite sort of status sort of and hierarchy mm. driven, you know, there's there's a lot of um, I call it like sort of sometimes the the consultant sort of behaviour mm. of I'm so clever I can't even possibly talk to you you know. Oh. <laughs> Um, and uh, even though it's abs- they've probably they probably ne- actually never done marketing, never created a campaign in their life. If you ask them, oh, you know, do you know what <laughs> this is? Like basic, know, going back years ago, how to create a radio ad, or do mm. they would never have done any of it. So very theoretical, academic people, and and I think um, they consequently feel a bit threatened mm. by somebody who's different to them. And um, and don't see and, and feel and they club together actually a lot of people like mm. that um, and again it's not a male female thing mm. um, and um, yeah I you know again they they know that the more kind of di- not just diverse from a gender perspective but personality types mm. is equally important yeah. in yeah. a business. And how do you think, you know, obviously you've had a lot of experiences in different companies. How do you think that companies are kind of changing and our industry is evolving when it comes to actually taking on that kind of diversity of perspective? Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I I think um, 
a lot of companies talk about it. Mm. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk, right? Yeah. So, you know, all their values. How many companies' values are the same? And actually, <laughs> you know, you shouldn't need to... I never think you should need to publish your values on your website. You should be able to talk to a person that works there and feel that. Yeah, it should be right? obvious. Yeah, it should be really obvious. And um, and so therefore, there's the kind of the authenticity of that. Mm. So I think a lot of people think, oh, because it's a bit like sustainability. It's a buzzword. Yeah. So, you know, let's tick the box. Um, and then I think there are organizations that are quite male dominated where it's a bit of a, oh, my God, aren't we being like clever by bringing on a female CMO or something? Mm. The token. Um, but none of them feel comfortable with it, which is a shame. Um, and so I think there's a lot of talk. I I actually think the last two years has made things much harder for people as well. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, because people have had to kind of almost bring their home world into their work world so closely, you know, the Zoom yeah. calls with the baby crying or the dog barking or whatever, um, that, you know, it you would hope that people were a lot more accepting and open um, but I, I think that because people have become fearful perhaps about their industry or their roles, mm. they, um, they've hidden behind a screen, right? So yeah. there hasn't been that trust and that really getting to know people and interaction and, you know, supporting teams and building that relationship with people. And so I think... I, I, it concerns me that some of the kind of the good work that was happening has almost either been paused or gone back a bit. Yeah. Well, it is as well. When you're in person, you know, those dynamics are so much more visible. You're kind of confronted by them. And if someone, mm. you know, if, if you feel that you're, you're struggling to build a relationship with someone or there's mm. a dynamic that feels a little bit off or you're being bypassed, I suppose it is, it's more obvious if you're literally in the mm-hmm. room with someone versus on a screen where you're all talking over each other because of bandwidth issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Harder, to, mm. harder to identify. Mm. Um, we must talk about the B2B marketing expert, most definitely. So you've just founded your own marketing consultancy. What, mm. what led you to do that? Um, I, I am, you know, I've been doing this quite a long time and I think my biggest pain point, you know, when we talk about pain mm. points in marketing was... Um, it was it was really hard to find an agency or company or supplier or support um, that I could go to for a lot of stuff. Mm. You know, you'd have your agencies, or you maybe had your your digital agency, or you know your uh, martech agents, suppliers, etc. But you know, you if you were lucky, they got B two B and they understood your industry, etc. But nobody really understands what it's like being the client. Mm. And um, I know that so much of my time is actually non marketing, yeah, as we talked about. And so I therefore think I I empathise and understand what it's like to be, mm. you know, head of marketing, marketing director somewhere and the challenges that that you face and 
you know, it. I say to people, if if I had me like 15, 20 years ago to be able to say, uh, I need to build a team, uh, I need to do this, like wh- where do I start, what do I do, that would have been brilliant, but that didn't exist. And I don't think that really exists. No. I think there are a lot of, again, academic consultants who come at, come out with a theory. Um, I'm not academic, um, but I've... I've been there, seen it, done it, got the T-shirt, yeah. etc. And and I feel that I have got um, so much understanding of what it's like and what you're being asked to do and, and processes behind marketing mm. internally within a client um, to be able to support companies yeah. on that. There's nothing as valuable as experience. <laughs> And so often, you know, it can be the ways of working between in-house and agencies can Mm. feel quite separate. You know, there's a lot of talk about, oh, this person will be an extension of your team and that kind of thing. But actually having that really united understanding of what each one is going through, what goes into the work, everything like that, that, that's quite hard to achieve. I mean, how have you found almost walking over the line, going Mm. to the other side in-house to Mm. agency? Mm. Well, I, um, yeah, I... (laughs) interesting because I now understand how annoying it is for agencies when clients change their mind the whole time um and you know when you're kind of billing your time or project time um it 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 can be very difficult so um being really clear Mm. on setting expectations of uh where something is going to be brought to and how long it's going to take etc and then, you know, being brave enough to sometimes walk away from business and say, you know, it's not for me, it's not going to work. Because, um, you know, again, one of the other reasons I started this business was um, I want to really get back to enjoying marketing again as yeah. well. And um, not just doing a lot of kind of internal reporting and PowerPoints, mm. etc. And... Um, yeah, I think, you know, kind of, cho- what's it, choose your clients <laughs> carefully. Um, and, um, but also, because I know what goes on client side, and I think quite often, actually, um, it's annoying for an agency if their marketing director is changing their mind. It's probably not them. It's probably some sales director who thinks that they're an expert in marketing um is not hitting their numbers and is putting all the pressure on marketing and says everything has got to change right so i i get that and i understand that and i often you know suggest to a client you know build build that stuff in right let's be realistic you're going to get an element of that internally Mm. Um, but also, you know, make sure that clients write really clear what they want, statements of work, and briefs. Yeah. But I've always been like that, even the other side, um, having my teams and people that work with me, if they're going to an agency, be really clear. Don't yeah. be ambiguous about what you want. Be really clear. Um, and, um, you know, don't jazz it up. Say what it is that you need, when you need it by, how much, etc. And just... You know, crack on, make it simple. 
definitely. Mm. I mean, I certainly find that relatable from an agency perspective. You know, the clarity of the brief and the quality of that communication is mm. so important in determining mm. how a job's going to go, whether it's going to go well or mm. badly. And, and of course, you know, on the relationship. It's interesting, too. There's almost a kind of antithesis. You were previously kind of at the helm of these massive, you know, huge organisations, so many people. And now you're kind of going out and mm. doing it doing it on your own I mean how's Mm. how's that been I absolutely love it yeah I really love it I um uh again because I know the pain Mm. that a lot of those you know heads of marketing are facing be it the pain of you know can't find the right teams um how to motivate people through to how to find the best agencies and you know what to do when the numbers aren't there, etc. So I, I re, I really love it. I get um, massive um, again satisfaction knowing that I'm also kind of supporting that client yeah. in a way. Um, so yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Definitely the right choice for, for me <laughs> at the moment anyway, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's good to it's really good to hear and wish you, you know, the best of best of luck with you. it. Because it sounds like you are, you know, uniquely in a good position to be able to offer that kind of that kind of empathy. Um just to finish up, it's a question I always ask because I think it's super, super important. If you could give any women some advice who might be pursuing a career in marketing, what what would your advice be? Um Stay true to yourself. Um, don't try and wear a mask at work. Just be who you are. Be honest. Be truthful. Um, make sure that you are choosing the right culture for you. Mm. And be really clear about that. Because even being paid the biggest salary in the world, um, if you're somewhere doesn't make you happy, it's just not worth it. Um, and so, you know, be, be nice, be yourself. It's just a job, right? There are more important things in life, but (laughs) try and enjoy it and try and make the other people around you get satisfaction as well. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. And thank you so much. It's been so great talking to you. (laughs) And to you, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much for listening. If you'd like to hear more about Georgina and her business, visit the b2bmarketingexperts.com. And if you'd like to get in touch to share your thoughts about this episode, or even if you'd like to come on the show yourself, you can contact us through Twitter and LinkedIn. Find us at earnestagency.com. I've been your host, Beatrice Alabaster. Our producer is Steve Spicer. And 43% and Rising is brought to you by Ernest, the award-winning agency chasing the humdrum out of B2B marketing. <laughs>